0: Hey, this is Len Casper. You're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with
1: Chad and Ryan. Rhino, it's a big week in baseball. We had the annual winter meetings, but much like our lives, it was all on Zoom. What a letdown.
2: Yeah, it really is. It feels like things don't get done over Zoom like they used to when you're in person, Chad. and we certainly saw that during the winter meetings, but more hardware given out to some Cubs players. We'll get into that as well.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about what Jed says, even though Cubs made no moves during the, the winter meetings. Uh, he has some uh, ideas and comments about what his plans are. You talked about the big move uh, and the big hardware for the team. Uh, there's some rumblings for a Cubs legend to return back to the pinstripes. And then also some sad news for Cubs minor league uh, uh, baseball and minor league baseball across the country. We'll talk about that as well.
2: Yeah, and are the 16 Cubs, Chad, this generation's 85 Bears? We'll get into that. Plus, Chris Black from ESPN 1000 is going to join us. So stick around because the Friendly Confine starts right now. Hi, everybody. He's Chad Gordon. I'm Ryan Lieber. Let's start as we always do, in the first inning in Chad, the baseball winter meetings, usually in a nice, sunny place where the general managers and owners convene. Of course, because of the world we live in today, everything went virtual, and it was a pretty quiet winter meetings, especially for the Chicago Cubs, Chad. This was definitely not your dad's winter meetings, and it showed because we did not see really any juice or movement over the last week when it came to making any trades or free agent signings? What did you make of the virtual winter meetings for 2020?
1: It's, it's a different world. And, and this is not something that you can really attribute to COVID because in the last couple of years, as, as baseball and the Players Association gets a little bit closer and closer to the negotiations to the end of their current contract, I think you're seeing a lot of gamesmanship. So there were a lot of big contracts doled out in the past. This was a time, as you said, deals and and agents and players running around the lobby. Usually here in Southern California, near where I live, um, just did not happening anymore. And and so there's a lot of challenges here because there's a lot of of a uh, uh, word within baseball that that most organizations saw this on MLB Network today. Most front offices don't even have their budget set because they don't know what baseball is going to look like and what's going to be allowed and what the challenges are with COVID. And so, yeah, the winter meetings have happened. The White Sox made some big moves. I mean, they, they got eaten and they got uh, Lance Lynn. So there were some moves, but for the most part, do you think Rhino, that this is going to come back? Do you think after the negotiations, after COVID, that we're going to see more wheeling and dealing, or do you think it's going to be much more like that situation where, Dexter Fowler shows up on day one of spring training, uh, you know, and and everybody makes deals in uh, in February, March. Yeah, I do,
2: Chad, because I think Bryce Harper's contract situation, which we saw a couple of years ago, set the tone when it comes to these big name free agents or these other players who are looking for a home at the last minute and trying to get that deal that they thought they would earn. I think that there's a couple of things at play. See, I do personally think COVID is playing a role because we have heard multiple owners, including the Ricketts family, claim that they can't afford to pay the big salaries that we're used to seeing in the past. I think there might be like one or two players uh, that are going to get those big deals, and then the rest of them are going to be kind of fighting for those spots on the rosters to at the last minute when teams are just kind of saying, okay, let's see if we can get them down to that bargain price. That's what we're ultimately going to find out. So I think this is you know, going to start to be a situation where we've seen in the past one really big contract from that premier free agent, and then the rest of the teammates that are going to be joining them or anywhere else are going to be trying to you know, fight it out for those last bits of uh, money that these owners
1: are willing to dole out. Good take. Well, let's move on to the second inning. And you you talked about it. You talked about the rickets. Uh, the purse string seemed to be tightening in this offseason. On one hand, you can understand a lot of money was lost in this COVID season. But on the other hand, this is a big market team. And if they want to compete, they should have the funds to be able to do that. What do you think, uh, Rhino? We heard a little bit from Jed saying that the, the Cubs won't stand Pat. Do you believe him? Do you think that's going to happen? Or do you think there's more to it behind the scenes?
2: Well, they're not going to stand pat for me, Chad, but they're not going to go out and make some really, really big moves. I mean, we've talked at length about, you know, are they going to trade Wilson Contreras? Are they going to trade Chris Bryant? Are they going to go out and get big-name players? I don't know if that will be the case, but I do see this team making moves, whether that's via trade or free agents. They're just not going to be the names that we're going to, you know, look at and go, oh my goodness, they signed that guy. Um, I think there's going to be tweaks made because there needs to be tweaks to this team. We know that already, especially offensively. So it's a matter of who are we going to plug into these holes to make sure that we can get this team to a place where they can continue to contend for NL division titles and, you know, more importantly, um, make a World Series run. What about you? I mean, you're right.
1: I mean, there, there's a left field. Uh, there's a hole in left field. There's, you know, there's three, two and a half, three, three and a half pitchers on the starting staff. There's some need for bullpen help. There's unknowns at second base and lead off, which is a broken record situation since uh, 2016 season ended. So, yeah, deals are going to have to be made. Um, and we're going to see it. it. The question is, who's going to be available at what price? A lot of people were very surprised that more people weren't tendered or, or not uh, uh, held on to, like what we saw with uh, Albert Mar Jr. and Kyle Schwarber. So, you know, Jed, I've said this all along. And I just I, I just don't believe it. A lot of people have said, oh, well, this is this is the blow it up year. This is we've got to retool. This is the opportunity for, if, you know, for the team to take a step back so they can get stronger in the future. I just don't feel that Jed Hoyer um, and I've said it before, broken record here, that Jed Hoyer signed on to blow this team up. Jed Hoyer wants to make his mark on this team. Why would he take a five year deal? He's got five years. Um, he certainly doesn't want to be a loser for a couple of years and then try to win one towards the end. So I would be very surprised if, if, if Jed and the and the brain trust there at Clark and Addison, aren't trying to put together the best team possible, but what, what those pieces are going to look like. We don't know right now.
2: All right. So let's move on to the third inning, Chad, and in some awards still coming the Cubs way as Hugh Darvish after the great season he had makes the all MLB team as one of the starting pitchers for that team both the NL and AL players that are combined on there. So congrats to him. So the question to you, Chad, is this. Will we see another season in 2021 like the one Hugh Darvish had in 2020 and he can continue his great pitching at least for another couple of years?
1: You have to believe that he's figured it out. I mean, we've seen uh, his brilliance when he made some very methodical uh, changes to his approach, which were really spurred on by probably the Cubs pitching staff to speed things up. He slowed it down, really going into the all-star break of the the 2019 season. And he really hasn't let up, um, through what we saw, which was a fantastic season this year. So this is, this is not the all-star team. This is all Major League Baseball. This is this is both leagues. And and for to have any player on this team is fabulous, but it is pretty amazing. If you feel pretty good about your your Cubs lineup and your hobbies and your Bryants and your Contreras, the fact that you Darvis was the only one that made the list says a lot about you, but also says a lot about the Cubs. I'd like to
2: think that he's gonna continue this next year. And especially I think some of the settings that we had in Major League Baseball contributed to his great season, right? He was more relaxed. There were no fans in the ballpark. I think, believe it or not, these are these are sort of things that I, I felt like you Darvish took advantage of and allowed him to be the pitcher that he is used to being. Now, I would like to think that he's going to continue that trend, although now at 33, he's at an age where, you know, unless you're Justin Verlander, uh, you're not exactly going to be seeing the high points of your career on the upswing, right? This is where more pitchers kind of start to decline. But I'd like to think that Darvish, as you said, has figured it out, and hopefully he can, you know, continue to build upon what he did a season ago.
1: I love that take. I look at, at Darvish, he's a durable guy, and the way he pitches is very methodical, and it, it's not very taxing on the body that we've seen, but we will soon see. Speaking of uh, pitchers that are towards the end of their career let's move on to the fourth inning there's been some talk that uh that john lester has made it be known that he actually would like to come back and get some of his signature end of the the career accolades with some wins and strikeouts that are that are coming how excited would you be to welcome back john lester on the north side
2: well i've been saying for a while chad that i thought there was a strong possibility that he would come back you know the teams that are out there that are showing interest in him one being the San Francisco Giants, the other being the Anaheim Angels, which would reunite him with Joe Madden. you know, certainly both intriguing choices, but at the end of the day, are the Giants or the Angels really going anywhere? I mean, maybe the Angels a little bit, and maybe they can turn it around after the the season they had last year and they have a healthy Mike Trout. But overall, if you're John Lester, you have something so established with the Cubs in Chicago. He loves the city. He's made so much money at this point in his career. Is it really going to matter to him if he signs like another $10 million deal in Anaheim or San Francisco, where, as you very well know, the taxes are a tad higher on the West Coast in California than they are in Chicago, or to maybe sign a team-friendly deal where maybe he's making $5 million, $6 million a year to come back to Chicago? I personally think it would such it would make the most sense for him to stay with the Cubs. This is where he's comfortable and he
1: would be such an asset as that fourth starter. What about you? You know, right now I almost look at this kind of like a Tom Brady situation, right? Tom where he could be competitive, make his mark, but ultimately, he also wants to go sell more jerseys, open up a whole new market and and that's what John Lester you know, needs to be weighing as well. He doesn't have to buy another drink in Boston for what he did there. He doesn't have to buy another drink in Chicago. In fact, I think he's probably potentially uh, statue worthy for what he brought to this franchise in 2015. So if he wants to come back um, to solidify that legacy and try to bring. He got two titles in Boston, bring two titles to Chicago. That would definitely pad his resume and potential. You know, not potential, but his Hall of Fame resume. You know, but it, it might make more sense for him to go to Houston, get income tax in Houston, to get, get a nice, friendly deal in Houston where they pay him a good, good amount of money to be a fourth and fifth starter. Uh, and imagine him at the tail end of that. And that's the team that's going to be competitive. I think John Lester wants to be in a situation where he can win now, where he can contribute. And we aren't even talking about the Jake, uh, Jake Arrieta situation, but imagine if the Cubs were able to bring back John Lester and Jake Arrieta, that would not be a bad number four, number five in any lineup. Imagine that you Darvish, uh, Kyle Hendricks, uh, somebody else who cares, John Lester and Jake Arrieta, sign me up. Yeah, they just better hope that they don't get hurt. That's my only
2: concern with that, Chad. But I do in I do love the idea and the prospect of that happening. So let's move on to the fifth inning now. And Chad, some major changes with Major League Baseball when it comes to the minor league affiliates. There were 40 teams in minor league baseball that were cut from major league affiliation. Now, the one team that it affected for the Cubs was the Eugene Emeralds, and they were picked up by the San Francisco Giants. But Otherwise the Cubs were kind of unscathed when it came to their minor league affiliates. They still have the Iowa Cubs. They have the Tennessee Smokies. They have the uh, South Bend Chicago or South Bend Cubs. So those are the teams that they obviously and the Myrtle beach, Pelicans is their other team, which is now, I believe going to be their high a team. Um, so it's nice to see that the Cubs at least still have that continuity with those clubs and they don't have to go anywhere, but, You know, I will say this, aside from just what the Cubs are dealing with, Minor League Baseball is somebody who covered Minor League Baseball for quite some time. And I know you've had some opportunities as well. There is something about Minor League Baseball and the connection to small towns when it comes to fans being able to go and see it. And it is a little bit jarring when you see some of these clubs that have been around for a very long time and having these affiliations with teams no longer either able to have the affiliation or might not be able to support a team anymore. Is there any takeaways you had when you see that some of these minor league clubs may no longer be a part of Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean,
1: I see why they 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 did it. And and the Cubs did get scathed a little bit. They're, they're Eugene, a uh, low A kind of short season, Eugene, Oregon team. They're no longer a part of the system. I get why they did it. I mean, there was a situation where some organizations had, you know, two, three more times minor league clubs than, than, than other, other groups. So it was kind of a, uh, the, 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 the mighty get, get more power. And so it was kind of, it was kind of a detrimental to the small market clubs. who couldn't compete with the Yankees and their multiple minor league teams. So I, it's an evening of the playing, It's an evening of the playing field. It's also a, a situation where the, the major league baseball can re, retain more control and that's what they've actually done, taking control of all these affiliates, working with the, the ownership group if, it's, if, if they agree to it. And then on top of that, rein in some of the spending. So I get it from that perspective. What I like about this move – we're not going to dig too far into this. What I like about this move, they did make the swap before players' first touch would be maybe going up into to South, South Bend and, uh, and freezing there the their whatever's off in 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 april so imagine all the the players from the latin uh, countries who are not used to winners in america you know getting their first taste there at least now their first taste of of ball in the states is going to be at myrtle beach which can be a little bit more favorable from a weather standpoint so i like that move but uh yeah there's a lot of communities that rely on this i'm hopeful they'll be able to figure this out with some independent ball but i think it's going to be an opportunity for these communities and these these franchises that were left behind these minor league teams to be creative and figure out a niche where they do fit in because there are a lot of players you know Bodie's a great example of that with the cubs that if it wasn't for these extended uh, minor league rosters and these opportunities they would never see light of day so we're we're potentially going to miss out on some some big players because there's not as many seats anymore
2: yeah, and I think that, you know, independent ball is really going to be more crucial than ever because as you said, those opportunities that players like David Bodie got aren't going to be available like they once were, and I think now they're putting more opportunities for guys to play in these leagues that may have some sort of affiliation with major league baseball, not necessarily with a club, but an affiliation with major league baseball where they're going to start sending scouts to these independent ball games and these clubs. And I think it's also a chance for, you know, these teams that are independent to get some really good players, guys who might have a chance to get to the majors, guys who they can promote and say, hey, we had so-and-so play in this organization once upon a time, and now he's playing for, you know, this team in Major League Baseball. So it is going to be a different look. I do feel bad for some of the teams that were eliminated, hopefully they'll be able to stay afloat. Hopefully they'll be able to have that independent affiliation or be able to do something else with, you know, the team that they have because it does matter to communities when (laughs) they have a small market team that
1: they rally around and are able to enjoy themselves for the summer. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to the sixth inning. I love this topic. You slotted this into the rundown and it's something to really consider. So, you know, we're all pretty blessed because we had the opportunity to to finally see it happen finally see this 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 franchise breakthrough out of the NLCS and and not only make it to the World Series but take the title home in 2016 but there's a lot of worries that there's another drought that's forming and it's just going to get longer and longer and potentially the cubs are not going to be back there again so it raises the question rhino do you think that this, uh, the 16 team is going to be this generation's 1985 Bears? It's starting to look
2: that way, Chad. It really is. I mean, think about it. When the Cubs won the World Series, they were one of the youngest teams in baseball. They had such a young nucleus and a core, guys who were obviously still there. You looked at this team thinking, This is the beginning of a dynasty, right? We saw what 2015 brought. We won the World Series in 2016, 2017. They made it back to the NLCS. And you're thinking, okay, just a couple of tweaks. And we're going to see this team in the World Series multiple years. Well, that's exactly what people thought of the Chicago Bears. And the Bears would continue to make the postseason, but they just never got over the hump and they were overmatched. And then as time went on, injuries took their toll, guys retired. And the Bears were never the same. It was that one-hit wonder, so to speak, where the Bears took the 85 Super Bowl and then never were heard from again. And now we're kind of seeing that with the Cubs. And I I hope history doesn't repeat itself, Chad, but I truly do believe that the Chicago Cubs winning in 16 is going to be the one-world series that we're going to see for a long time. And it's pretty eerily similar to what we have already seen with when the bears had that run from 1984 to around 1991. What about you? For
1: me, it makes what the San Francisco giants did this last decade, so much more impressive, right? Because the Cubs absolutely look loaded, loaded for the future, for the, for, for the, the foreseeable future. Um, And you just felt that in 2015, how they, they stormed their way to 97 wins um, ran through the wild card and then, you know, destroyed the Cardinals and then ran out of gas against the Mets. And then what they did in 16, you just felt like it was, there's no way this team isn't going to just get better and better and better. And what the giants did winning three in this decade, just, it's just incredible to me. They took a year off, but then what they won on, on even number of years until the Cubs took it in 16. And so can the Cubs pull this back together and, and make it happen? Well, it's going to be a short, tenure for Jed Hoyer if they're not able to do something in the next five years because the Ricketts family has paid the money to be a top five payroll to be competitive year in and year out and I think this team is going to get very hard to watch and I raised this a couple podcasts ago if all of a sudden they become the Atlanta Braves and the Braves did make a couple more World Series they won one but they were competitive for more than a decade. But after the end of the day, I mean, you don't really think about the Braves other than being steady, competitive teams that always make the playoffs. The Cubs need to be more than that as the number three market in America. And so are they going to be the 85 bears? I'll say no for this one reason, that team owned the whole city, the whole region, the whole Midwest, in some respects, you know, South of, of Wisconsin, they were an iconic team, full of iconic players that people still think about. I think the Cubs are going to have that as well. But uh, that was one of those things that I feel like will never be represented again. This Cubs team with some new faces, I think we can see in the next year or so, could absolutely reach the mountaintop again and grab that ring.
2: Chad, the holiday season is here, and we have a terrific gift idea for your
1: friends and loved ones if you're still trying to figure out what to get them. That's right. Why not get them some Federalist wine? We've been talking about them all season. They are fantastic and they make great wine. It's the perfect stocking stuffer or something to even share over Christmas dinner, or even New Year's Eve.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can also pair it with a great Hanukkah meal along with some delicious latkes. Maybe I'll make you some one day, Chad. The Federalist oh, wine yeah. is an American wine crafted for the only tasting note that matters.
1: Damn good taste. It's a bold choice with baseball, any sport, even football. You can pair it with any food you desire. And if you go to uncork.com, we have a special offer for you. That's uncorked.com. And use our code CUBS20, you get 20% off your entire purchase. This is Federalist Wine. I drink it. Chad drinks it.
2: You should, too. This is an American craft wine, so go to, as Chad said, uncorked.com. Use the promo code CUBS20 and get 20% off your purchase. Must be 21 years or older to consume alcohol. Please drink responsibly. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. We're excited for our guest this week. You can find him on ESPN 1000. He's on weeknights, 6 to 8 p.m. with... uh, Adam Abdallah, the name of the show, Black and Abdallah, and it is our pleasure to welcome Chris Black to the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. Chris, how you doing? And thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm excited
2: and uh, ready to talk some baseball. Yes, definitely uh, excited to talk some baseball with you too. And of course, you can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Black. So be sure to find him there. He's a great follow and check him out. So, Chris, let's start here. Uh, the Cubs came out this week and came up with their new slogan called Cub Together. Uh, I'm not really quite sure what to make of it when you heard it. What's kind of uh, going around the city of Chicago as far as the talk from the media and maybe the fans when they came out with that slogan for 2021?
0: Yeah, you know what's funny, Ryan, is uh, I think when people saw that over the last couple of days, the the first thought was, man, we, we went from uh, a – team that was chasing championships with theo epstein to now we're going to sing kumbaya and we are going to cub together as we rebuild and tear down this this great franchise in major league baseball because you know the 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 long-standing story with cub fans right and ryan you're well aware of this is that you know they were the lovable losers for generations 108 years and then theo epstein comes to town with jed hoyer and they turn the franchise around, and they are a competing team trying to win championships. And over the course of the last three to four years, it just has not been the case since 2016. And and I feel like what uh, Cub fans are expecting from this team and, and what they're looking at on the horizon is possibly a team that is no longer chasing the champions, a, a team that has budgetary issues, In a team that really all the great players that you thought would be here for a generation, uh, they may be on the way out, the first one being Kyle Schwarber, and then the next possibly being Chris Bryant. And so when you you say something like Cub together, it just allows those in town to hear that and see what's happening this offseason with the Chicago Cubs. It allows you to mock it because it's kind of funny. It's kind of goofy. And I get the intent. They want – Cub fans to like come together and to be a part of maybe not a full rebuild, but maybe a situation where you are no longer chasing the Dodgers in the um, National League trying to win a championship. Right. And like that's the team I always try and hold the Cubs standard to because the Dodgers are the team for years now who have won the division, but they were not able to get over the hump until this season. They finally win the World Series this season. And to me, the Dodgers have done what the Cubs were supposed to be. They've done it better. And so when you say Cub together, I just think it's funny. I think it's kind of goofy. And, I, I, it, you know, I, I just think that Cub fans are, are in for a couple of tough years because, you know, you're going to have some decent starting pitching at the top. But this lineup has been disappointing for the last couple of seasons. And when you remove some of the bats from the lineup, I just don't know how you're going to replace the
2: production. No, it's so true. And I mean, I feel the same exact way that you and I think everybody else did when I heard that was what the slogan was going to be. It's like, hey, guys, don't get down. Yeah, Think about all those great years we (laughs) had together. Now's the time to come together and be those big Cub fans that we've been. Basically, What it was like for me in the 80s and the 90s, Chris, is basically what I had to endure with uh, this team. We're talking with Chris Black from ESPN 1000. So you kind of touched on it in your answer a little bit, Chris. Um, The Cubs already letting go of Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Two-part question. A, where do you think Kyle ends up? And B, as you mentioned with Chris Bryant, do you think there's more and more of a push that Chris might not be with the team at the start of 2021, or do you still feel like it'll be one of those situations where the Cubs may trade a mid season? Where do you stand on that right now?
0: You know, uh, for Kyle Schwarber, uh, where he's going to end up, that power lefty uh, bat, um, you know, his his outfield play has improved the last couple of seasons. He has a great arm. um, So he's not a completely terrible outfielder Um, where he's going to land up, you know, land, you know, I think that's a a decent question to kind of look at because, you know, he's the type of player that you're not going to build your lineup around. But if he's your sixth guy in the lineup, you know, you feel like you have a pretty talented, uh, tough lineup to kind of uh, produce for you. So I'm not quite sure where Kyle Schwarber would land up. You know, like the the conversation around him has always been like, he's the perfect DH. Well, yeah, the – the Cubs had the DH last year and he didn't really produce any better than he did in the past. He kind of is that like, so, so bad. Um, Someone that, you know, in a normal year could give you the 25 to 30 home runs. He's going to strike out a heck of a lot. Um, and he's going to give you some walks, but really he's not going to do a whole lot else for you. And then when we look at uh, Chris Bryant, I think where I stand on Chris Bryant as of right now, I think Bryant will be in the full when the season starts. I think he will be a cub, but I think the idea would be Jed Hoyer is looking to move Chris Bryant in the season. And I think that's where teams, you know, if he doesn't get traded in this off season, he's going to be that rental type player that teams are going to try and poach uh, to help make them a, a title contender in 2021. And you know, Chris Bryant, I think, is in a really tough spot. He wants a, a max $300 million contract like uh, Mookie Betts or Bryce Harper or any of these top-level stars in Major League Baseball have gotten. The problem for, the, for Chris Bryant is he is not that. He is uh, a guy who won Rookie of the Year and then won an MVP, and his numbers have sharply declined and people can point to the injuries he's had but really if you just look at the stats go to baseballreference.com or as they used to say the back of the baseball card his stats have declined over the last couple of seasons he is no longer that 6 7 war player he is a player who's giving you like 2 to 3 war like that he's giving you half of what you had when he was an mvp so I think long-term, I don't think that contract that he and his family and his agent are looking for is going to be out there. Uh, For a team shopping to get that bat to kind of add to what they have to try and make a run at a title, I think think the rumors are true. The Nationals, uh, there are a whole bunch of different teams that may be looking for Chris Bryant in season. I think he goes to spring training with the Chicago Cubs. I don't think he'll have a new deal from the Cubs, but I do think the Cubs will trade him in season.
2: Should fans be upset, do you think, Chris, with the rickets, with the way that things have gone? Or because of COVID right now, this is kind of standard procedure with all ownership in Major League Baseball. Because there's certainly a lot of people that thought once they beautified Wrigley, once they got the network, that this would be a team that'd be able to compete financially with the Yankees and the Dodgers and so far we're not seeing that what, what's the the stance on that that you see from what the ricketts are doing from a financial standpoint
0: yeah th- this is something that um i've been talking about on my radio shows for the last 2 to 3 years because i think cup fans should be upset they should be frustrated and you're right ryan they they should expect this team to be on par as far as spending and and what they're kind of trying to accomplish with the Dodgers, with the Yankees, um, and with those in Major League Baseball who are at the top. And and I here here's what's very frustrating, I think, for Cub fans. Is this uh, ownership group, like, I feel like there's a sense that they chased that one championship and they did whatever they could to get that locked in. And then the moment they got the championship, it was like... Okay, now we're going to pull back and we're going to go we're going to run this business to kind of try and make money and profit. And we're no longer trying to chase that championship anymore. And that's disappointing because, you know, I don't remember if it was like The Wall Street Journal or The New York Times. uh, But I read something recently that like, you know, billionaires throughout the pandemic. He asked about the pandemic. Billionaires have made money during the pandemic. It's normal folks like you and I and, and those who, you know, restaurants and people who are are employees who have been laid off. Those are the people who are who are hurting throughout the pandemic. It's not people who have billions of dollars or millions and millions of dollars. Right. So like Tom Rickett has been playing Monopoly up in Wrigleyville for the last five years. They basically have bought up every single rooftop and every single building in Wrigleyville. Now Ryan you're from the area. Um you remember the charm, the character that Wrigleyville used to have, right? Like you you've been here and seen it. Like uh, when the Cubs play a day game, the the neighborhood is alive, right? And and so what what has started to happen and th- this might be only a reference that uh those who listen to your podcast who are familiar with uh Chicago and the Chicago suburbs is that like They've turned Wrigleyville into Schaumburg. <laughs> no, seriously, like because all of Wrigleyville has been bought up, and it's now uh, chain restaurants. It, it's it's boutique shops. It's it, it looks beautiful, and and I I won't um knock them for that, but like some of the charm of Wrigleyville has been taken away because all those uh, little dive bars and all the you know late night hangouts like. it's all kind of changed to more of a corporate um, looking area. So like if you've ever been to Chicago, the the beauty of Wrigleyville and Wrigley field is that it's a neighborhood and that it's not in a, a um, suburban strip mall. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's kind of the vibe that it looks like now because they put a, a hotel across the street. They have all the buildings, you know, some of that charm of the neighborhood um, is gone in the in the reason I bring that up is because the Cubs financially are in debt because they've spent so much money buying up buildings, building a hotel, uh, renovating Wrigley Field, that they are almost a half billion dollars in debt. And then on top of it, Ryan, they decide to start their own cable network, the marquee network, which the marquee network is. Um, for some people here in Chicago, you have no access to. If you are a cord cutter and you have Hulu Plus or you have Hulu Live or YouTube TV, you can't access the Marquee Network. Um, you have to have cable to do so. So, like you're you're also looking at this situation where it's difficult to see their channel. They they started a uh, cable channel in a pandemic. They've bought up a whole bunch of real estate in. Wrigleyville to kind of flip the neighborhood, even though no one was really looking for that. And so like as a Cub fan, you should be frustrated because this team has won the world series in 2016. People buy the merchandise. People come from all over to come to the ballpark. And I know in 2020, no one could be in the ballpark, but that money that spout of money is going to turn back on. So you should be pouring money back in the team. You shouldn't be telling fans that you're you're looking at biblical losses and that there's no budget for the baseball operations that that's something Tom Rickett said to the fan base last year before the pandemic. So, like, I think Cup fans should be frustrated because all they do is spend money on things other than the baseball team. And that's why I always reference on our show. Did you ever watch the show Arrested Development, Ryan? I did. Yeah. OK, so. You, you understand the reference. There's always money in the banana stand, right? And that's the banana right. stand is Wrigley Field. There's always money in Wrigley Field. So uh, to me, it, it's something that I think they should put more money back into the team. And cup fans should be frustrated. I know that was a long-winded answer. But like that, that's kind of the way I look at it here in Chicago. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan
2: Dempster. And you're listening to Chad and Ryan on the Friendly Confines podcast. And our thanks once again to Chris Black of ESPN 1000. Of course, you can hear him weekdays from 6 to 8 p.m. on ESPN 1000 hosting with Adam Abdallah. So be sure to check them out. He is a great follow as well. And don't forget, Chad and I, we are on social media too. Chad's at the Chad Gordon. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. And we also have our Facebook page, the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines Facebook page. Check us out. Join contribute we'd love to hear from you and hear what you have to say
1: all right let's move on to the eighth inning and uh you know the faces and the names and the cubs and the backs of the jerseys are going to continue to change that is professional sports and rhino as we kick off the eighth inning lots of coaching changes what do you think about some of these moves
2: yeah well it's kind of interesting to see you know that the cubs do need to make changes and one of them is the new assistant hitting coach, uh, Chris Valikia. Am I saying that right? I'm probably not, but I'm going to try and do my best to at least attempt to say his name. Um, he has joined uh, the Cubs organization, he served as the triple A Iowa hitting coach before getting promoted to the Cubs minor league hitting coordinator in 2019. And the other coaching change, Willie Harris, will now be the third base coach, Chad, for the Cubs. He's coming over from the White Sox, so apparently. He's the player to be named later when we traded Len Casper for the job for him to do radio. Chad, do you have a favorite third base coach of all time for the Cubs? Does anyone strike you as somebody you would think of? Mine, I have mine. Mine's Don Zimmer. Do you have anyone you can think of off the no. top of your head? You no, sit me. by the third base line, So I think you would know a lot of the third base coaches with your season tickets.
1: I, I, uh, yeah. Don Zimmer is the guy. You just remember it. And there's the third base coaches, you know, you, you know, the names as you come on and we're going to know Willie, and we're going to see him. You only, you, you never really want to know a lot about the third base coach because that it, it really only matters when they mess up greatly. But yeah, Don Zimmer. Just seeing him, you know, maniacally waving his arms around back in our youth, that was always a, that was always a big thrill. But, yeah, you know, these coaches and, and the impact on the team and, and how you pronounce them <laughs> is, uh, is, you know, it's, it's something that is kind of in the edges, right, unless you really are following the team. And, you know, I like the move um, with the minor league situation and bringing Valika up. Um, he's, he's a guy that they feel like has worked with some of the younger kids. I think we're going to see a little bit more development on the side. And And we've talked about this last week. I think this is a big news. Um, him and Iosi are, are, are you know are gonna have to be a good one two punch because you know, I think the front office even said with Albert Amora jr., uh, they did him no good in terms of ever fixing his swing. he 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 didn't get better. in fact, he actually he actually regressed. And so these these coaches, whether it's on the pitching, whether it's on the base pass or whether it's on the hitting side, they're so key to what the Cubs are trying to build in the future, and and you look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Those guys have got tremendous ability out of pitchers that nobody wanted, and all of a sudden, they're some of the hottest trades targets, and then other teams like the Astros and the, and the Dodgers are able to figure out tweaks with different players to make them more powerful hitters. This is a Cubs team that needs both of those. And so these are the moves you really got to focus on to see, you know, what what they're going to bring to the table because those are some changes that need to happen. This is a team that's regressed almost across the board.
2: Yeah, Will Venable leaving to go with the Red Sox as their bench coach. And then, of course, Termel Sledge was uh, not asked back. So he was the assistant hitting coach last year. All right, so let's finish up with this chat in the ninth inning. Happy birthday to the professor, Kyle Hendricks turning 31. Wow. Where's the time gone, Chad? I mean, I still remember him as a young 20 something year old guy pitching with the Cubs. Of course, now Kyle, the, uh, the veteran, the, well, if Lester doesn't come back, he will have the most tenure out of any Cubs pitcher. Um, But Kyle spending another year with the Cubs at 31. Do you have a favorite Kyle Hendricks memory, Chad?
1: It's, it's just so fun because Kyle, just embodies what you feel like it might've was like watching Greg Maddox all the time. But, you know, Kyle does it, you know, a little less often. My favorite memory is, is just, I, I would just probably say the domination and the strength that he showed in 2016. I mean, he was such a steady force and, and if he was allowed um, actually to stretch out his arm a little bit longer, I think we would have had a lot less drama in uh, game seven. Um, but, you know, as we, we all know the story, John Lester came up and we, they couldn't keep up, him up in the bullpen any longer. But his domination, because he really was dominant and then he got hosed on a couple of strike calls. Um, but, yeah, that, 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 that 16 run, you know, he was such a steady part of it. And people, I don't think the Cubs really knew what they had you know, prior to that 15, 16 season and what a trade for them to come over that shows the front office really knew what they, they were doing. And it just gives me hope that the front office can find another Kyle Hendricks and another kind of Ryan Dempster like trade, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. What about you? Oh, What's your favorite yeah. memory?
2: Well, for me, it's obviously game six of the uh, 2016 NLCS where he out duels um, Clayton Kershaw and wins the pennant for the Cubs. Yeah. I mean, that that is number one for sure with Hendricks. He was so steady. Of course, he was on the mound for game seven of the World Series. Didn't have the best outing. But yeah, right now, game six, NLCS. I mean, you were there. It yeah. was just such a magical moment, a magical night. And to see him out-duel arguably the best pitcher of our generation um, and win the pennant by doing it, It it was, uh, it was quite special. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
2: That is going to wrap things up on this edition of the friendly confines. Once again, our thanks to Chris Black of ESPN 1000 for Chad. I am Ryan. We'll talk to you next week. Everybody have a good one.
1: See you at the ballpark, everybody. just the game for i've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in chicago you're blessed and you're a field the first time you walk into wrigley field
2: Our heroes were... hi this is andre dawson and you're listening to ryan and chad on the friendly confines podcast Hey everyone, I'm Chad Gordon. And I'm Ryan Lever. We're the hosts of the Friendly Confines Podcast.
1: Each week we'll bring you the latest Cubs news from the fans perspective with some of the biggest names in sports.
2: Joe Buck. Welcome to the Friendly Confines with
1: Chad and Ryan. Yeah, oh my God. I'm happy to do it pat hughes welcome to the seventh inning happy to be here chad it is len casper you got it ryan chad happy to be with you guys
2: the hawk andre dawson
1: what is my distinct pleasure i'm doing fine thank you we're also excited to bring you new episodes as part of the barroom network so if you're a cubs fan or even just a baseball fan be sure to check
2: out the friendly confines podcast every week on the barroom network
1: I'm George Will, and you're listening to the Friendly Confines podcast with Chad and Ryan.